All right, here we go. And let's wait till everything connects in. We are sending our data. Facebook says we're online and we're online on YouTube. Hey everybody, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, happy Saturday. Uh, thank you all for joining today. Today's a very exciting episode because even though I've been blocked on Facebook, uh, for some reason they're still allowing me to do my live feeds. So we're going to kind of talk about that today, what it's like to be an activist in 2020. And what's going on out there? What, why are we uh, receiving all of the attention when there are so many more problematic things to be discussing? Uh, and anyway, uh, hey, Sierra, thanks for joining today. Hello, Coralie. Thank you for being back on. I really appreciate everybody being on here. You know, one year ago, <clears throat> one year ago, decided to start the conservation conversation. And that was August 11th uh, last summer. And it's incredible because we've had so many people that have been here since day one. We've had so many more people that have joined us and joined our conversation. And that to me is what's very exciting <clears throat> about what's happening right now, because what's happening out there is affecting all of us. You know, it's not like way back in the day when everybody thought, well, you know, that's a local problem there, a local problem there. Everything that we encounter today is a systemic issue that has been going on for a bit too long. And I think we all just want to draw some attention to what is happening out there so that we can get a better sense of how to change it. Uh, hey, Camilla, thanks for joining today. And uh, yes, Camilla, I was just saying we're, we're having our one year anniversary today for the conservation conversation. So this is super exciting. I'm really glad everybody tuned in. And I'm really glad that somehow Facebook is letting me pop on and view. Hey, Andrea, thank you. And Andrea is watching from the YouTube channel, which I really appreciate also because I'm glad to know that we're on YouTube. And uh, that way, if Facebook keeps keeping us uh, down a little bit, I'm going to have to find a new way around it. Uh, but anyway, as we always say, and you can't stop us, it's our world. We're going to talk about it. All right, here we go. And again, happy Saturday, everybody. I hope you've got some nice brew of coffee or matcha or tea or something wonderful that you're enjoying. It's about 10 a.m. here. So uh, I know people always joke that California people are kind of late. <laughs> I guess we are. I'm drinking coffee at 10 a.m. I'm somewhat fulfilling that particular uh, stereotype. Hey, Paula, <laughs> thanks for being on today. So, you know, I am sure the majority of the people that are on this show have been banned from Facebook now and then. Uh, it appears to be something that's a little bit more consistent. Today, I was uh, in, in the Twitter, what they would consider shadow banned. Uh, I'm able to use my Facebook, but I am not able to um, interact, make comments, do anything. And again, I don't even know how I'm getting around it right now. Uh, I'm using Restream to zip in to Facebook and Facebook allowed the live video before. So uh, for all of us that have been banned on Facebook, <laughs> which is the majority of us, we know that sometimes when we speak about things that are not allowed, there are repercussions for that. And a lot of times, um, you know, the federal government, the state government and the corporations work hand in hand to ensure that business runs around business as usual, which unfortunately has a lot of human toll and human casualty and that story is generally held quiet uh, especially by major corporations you know people talk about the mainstream media but the pure fact is that as long as Chevron is advertising on TV they're not going to be getting in trouble on the side either um, and nobody's going to bring in a big news story about that even with cigarettes they all remember used to promote on even the news and everything. And it wasn't until the congressional hearings that uh, they had, were forced to stop their advertising. So it's everywhere. Andrea says, Facebook is disappointing. Andrea, I completely agree. It's crazy to me. As I was saying earlier, the first time it really happened to me was when I had Scott Wilson on. And Scott Wilson's a very big advocate against the glyphosate use in Florida. And we were banned. Uh, for being spam. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about my getting banned this time 
is that uh, normally when you get banned, they tell you that you've done something wrong and they tell you for how long you're not allowed to use your Facebook account. Mine doesn't say that. Mine just says you're blocked from using this feature. Uh, if you think that's wrong, contact us. So I contacted them and said, what happened? At least tell me what's going on, you know? Uh, now, it's hard to say, you know, environmentalists and conservationists are very much under attack in this country. So we have to be super cautious how we make our moves. Um, you know, my Facebook account was down for maybe two, three hours yesterday. So, uh, you know, who knows what's happening in that. And, and if anybody else has had that experience, please list it down there. And I'm curious if anybody else has been banned from Facebook, but they haven't put up the length of time that you're banned for, or for what reason you were banned. Usually when they stop me, like with Scott Wilson, they say, no, this is spam, or whatever, you know, the reason was. But now, um, you know, what? so what we have though is, I, I thought to myself this morning, you know, this is actually a perfect example of what's happening worldwide and nationwide to environmentalists and conservationists around the world. It's really one of the most dangerous things in the world is to speak up for clean air, clean water, or clean land, or to preserve nature's rights. It's very dangerous, legally and physically. And I got to see that when I was traveling around the world. There was a lot of issues with um, the dangers, but we'll get into that soon. The thing is, is that us, you know, we've become a fighting force. And it's kind of interesting because before they would say, we're going to go after activists. And the activists are, um, you know, we're, we're going to go after them, but we, we want to silence them. You know, we, we want to do more than just allow them to continue to go. But the thing is, the activists used to be those of us that were in the field, right? But that's changed. It's really changed. It's changed so much that the activist is everybody that wakes up and, and makes conscious decisions for a better future. Whether that is somebody that just simply buys uh, toilet paper that's not coming from virgin pulp. Remember, quick tip on that, everybody, in case you don't haven't heard or you don't know, if it says soft on the package, it means it comes from virgin pulp, which means you are deforesting a lot of the actual, uh, what, what's left up in the, uh, the northern region in Canada where they're taking a lot of these trees for toilet paper in the United States. Especially Kirkland is the number one violator of that. So if you're using Kirkland brand and it says soft, not only are you destroying the, allowing the destruction of the, uh, one of the most important biodiverse forests up north, but you're also getting bleach and excessive to toxins that are going on your skin not only that, but when you flush, those toxins are going out into the water and they're not going anywhere because companies that do water reclamation don't have answers to a lot of our modern problems. So they use a catch-all chlorine. Crazy, huh? It's like basically the pool. It's the same thing that stops you from thinking that maybe somebody's pee went in your mouth when you're in a public pool, right? Um, chlorine, excessive amounts of chlorine to just shadow out everything that they don't know how to deal with. So we're not exactly getting clean water that we think we are. We'll get into that also today. Um, Coralie says, banned twice, but for one day only for political activity. Coralie, you know, I think, I think that's what's going on here is that, you know, they're starting to view environmentalists as uh, political groups. And uh, we're going to talk about the Department of Justice actually um, <clears throat> placing us uh, up there. It's really, it's pretty nuts. But um, what I wanted to do is though us as activists, the thing about us is that we don't pay enough attention to the past. We are always thinking about the future. What happens in the future? How can we change and make that better for everybody that's depending on us? And that brings us to our quote of the day from Socrates. And he said, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new positive solutions, right? So, may, I want everybody to keep in mind, Socrates was put to death. This is him on his deathbed. He was put to death for um, being subversive and subverting the minds of the youth. 
he was put to death and he was he was he had to drink hemlock and that was the photo of him drinking hemlock just I, I believe they I can't remember the term they use sedition or something but um, <clears throat> yeah he was killed for having the children question the way things are and it's very similar to what's happening today uh, there are some that are killed physically there are some that are destroyed through court orders there are some that are destroyed through lawsuits but people are silenced people are casualties of speaking up against what is wrong and what they see and to me that is very crazy that we don't have the same protections that a company has Sierra said no idea that soft toilet paper was not good for the environment I know it's really crazy isn't it um, I've never once thought about toilet paper it's amazing how many things in our home connect to how much is outside you know uh, one of the things and which actually brings me to one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, you know us as conservationists we need to find ways to um, to basically enable actions that will change how things are done as of now you know and that's the that's the solution we're looking for so for example and I always say, you know, revolution through routine, we can all make a huge impact. We don't have to go outside. We don't have to jump onto illegal fishing boats like I got to do with Earth Race. We don't, you know, you don't, we don't need to do that. You don't need to be on a Sea Shepherd boat to make an impact. You just stop using soft toilet paper. That will reduce illegal deforestation. It will reduce the need for brand new wood, which is what's called virgin pulp. And amazing the tricks of everything that's that's going on with that uh one thing that is a big thing are shower heads uh right now <laughs> right now the environmental um energy department is trying to reduce the regulations placed on shower heads now shower heads have a regulation which was put on back in the 90s to stop allowing us to waste so much water um, it's a really important ecological move, but they're trying to repeal it right now. And so you start to think to yourself, who are these crazy people? Why is Andrew Wheeler repealing the Clean Water Act? It's one of the most important things that's ever been done in this country. Why is Andrew Wheeler allowing children to be poisoned every day with millions of gallons of pollutants? And the people in Florida know exactly what I'm talking about because they are fighting it on multiple sides. There's agriculture, there's extraction. They have many pollutants being poured into their water and their children are suffering as a result with over six times the national average rate for cancer, especially in children. And it's all being allowed. And this is why us just trying to change the conversation, uh, we are the ones that need to to really push it in another way. And the thing is, is corporations do not understand emotion. They do not understand caring. It's not their job. And we can't blame them for that. We cannot hold them to, even though they have the same rights as humans, we can't hold them to having a human personality. They have, their job is to run an efficient company, make money for their board members. It's the cornerstone of capitalism. And we're not here to condemn that, but we understand that they only understand money. So what we can do is change what we buy. And if we change what we buy, we can change everything that they do because they're not going to try to sell us on stuff that we're not interested in. If more people stop buying soft toilet paper, they will stop making it. They'll stop using brand new trees and they will use recycled pulp. And I know the idea of recycled pulp. People are saying recycled toilet paper, man. Are you you're really asking for a lot right now, Eric. <laughs> um, check out Seventh Generation. It's a brand I personally, I like to use. And it's also based on the Iroquois concept of looking forward seven generations to make all of your decisions based on how it will affect people in that seventh generation. So seventh generation, it's not about, it's, you've had seven times of it being toilet paper and now it's your turn and it's gross, no. That's not the truth. And the thing is, too, about toilet paper, if you buy recycled toilet paper or seventh generation, you can buy some that do not use the chlorine that is destructive to both your body and the environment around you. So um, when you're using soft, 
Not only is it killing trees, but they're adding a bunch of chemicals into it to help soften it and to make it super white and stuff. And that is actually harmful to your body, can cause cancers and other things. Um, something to definitely check out. And Sierra says, yes, consumer demand drives the market. You know, and exactly, Sierra. And that's the thing is we've, you know, it's going to be hard for the, 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 you know, Department of Justice now to come down on us because we are the consumers and we are making the change. We've joined in social media with all the activists on the front line. You know, it's incredible. Um, <clears throat> people have cameras everywhere now and they do what's called uh, bearing witness. They'll take their cameras and they will show us and expose light on what's happening out there in the world. And that's the most important thing we can do right now. And it makes all of us the most powerful voice in the world. Everybody that's out there right now can step up and with one comment can change the world. And I know it seems crazy, but it's true. But we are all part of a gigantic team and it's a long battle. And that's what we're talking about today. There's a lot of dangers legally and physically we all have to, to deal with. Um, now, I wanted to bring up, there's a massive, well, first of all, there's a massive amount of killings of environmentalists worldwide. And this is a map of everybody that's been killed. They estimate over a thousand uh, rangers have been killed since the last 10 years. Remember just recently in Virunga National Park, uh, I believe it was 12 or 13 were killed. Um, so, you know, the people that are out there defending what's left of our wilderness, and there's not much wilderness left and there's not much to defend. These people are heroes and they are being killed. Um, and that unfortunately is being allowed. And it's kind of interesting. This is the report and it breaks down how many environmentalists are killed each week and what sectors are the most protected. So the Philippines was an area that I was um, doing a lot of uh, anti-illegal fishing and MPA protection work in and shooting videos in there. I uh, had no idea it was that dangerous. Um, of course, Colombia, you can imagine because the Amazon smuggles in a lot of things. Um, India, of course, uh, that's a very, very incredibly polluted area and exploited area, and they do not like those images to come out. Um, but I have worked in um, a lot of these other spots down there, and actually my friend Alex is currently overseas in Ukraine, but he's uh, working with children, uh, children's hospitals and charities instead of uh, environmentalists. But anyway, these are the companies, these are the, I'm sorry, these are the countries where it's the most dangerous of how many people are getting killed each week. And it's a lot of people. Now, these are the people that also, not just killed, but these are the people that have disappeared or can no longer be found or the people that have also been affected by uh, lawsuits where they have been basically told, you know, if you go through with this, we're going to take you for everything you have. And a lot of people are silenced. Uh, a friend of mine in Florida was silenced by a judge and she's not allowed to speak on Facebook about the company at hand. And people in Florida will know who I'm talking about. Uh, but check this out. Numbers of killings by the sector. This is fascinating. Mining and extractives. So you got to think that is gold. That is copper, silver. Um, that is phosphate in Florida. Um, they also mine phosphate, I think in Montana or somewhere. Um, and then you've got the agribusiness, which is the animal ag. And then it continues from there. So, and of course, fishing, there's no doubt in my mind because we went through a lot of dangerous environments while we were hand working against the illegal fishing companies. So it's very dangerous worldwide, physically. And in America, especially, uh, after the, uh, the pipeline protests back in, in 2016, and the pipeline protests were some of the most amazing protests because people really banded together and people came from all over the country to step in. And these people were met with things like um, mace, getting clubbed, uh, having attack dogs sent on them, um, facing federal charges. Uh, I believe there's been over 800 people that have been prosecuted because they protested against the pipelines. And there is a reason for that, uh, according to the government. I don't think there's a really good reason for that. But what they did after that, <clears throat> they said, oh my gosh, 
this is out of hand, the people are starting to come together. You know, social media is working. We can't let these stories be so global. So they created anti-pipeline protest laws. They're stopping. So, like, I don't quite get. Okay, so there's Texas. It's kind of where you'd expect a lot of this stuff to happen. Louisiana, which is going to lead into the next issue that we're going to be talking about. Um, but the thing that I don't quite get is, is this. Um, how can they pass an anti-protest law in the midst of us still maintaining our First Amendment rights? Um, and this is a complication that, that nobody's really drawn any answer for or talked about in any way, shape, or form. And so I think that that is something that, um, you know, to me is a little, it's, uh, it's, it's a dangerous precedent that they're setting, and it's very, very dangerous. Uh, hey, Buonasera, and that is Elena from, from Romania. Buonasera, and Buonasera means good evening. And I would say, well, it's daytime here, so I would say it's uh, Buonasera, happy day, good day. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so now we have the, the country has, has started to enact these, and these are aside from the ag-gag laws. you got to remember that in the United States, um, it is a felony to expose any in agriculture business uh, in any way that will damage their profit. And they're actually protected. So instead of when people get the videos and show you what's happening, instead of that being part of the legal process of whistleblowers like it's always been previously, after 2016, after the, um, the, the pipeline protest, we saw a huge change in how things were done. Suddenly, we moved, us eco people, moved to the Department of Justice's top spot as being eco-terrorists and being terrorists. Actually, they considered us more dangerous than actual terrorists. And we became the number one priority in the Department of Justice's focus. Crazy, huh? People like Helen Yost, 62, uh, the FBI, um, we're on to her, and they figured out that, <laughs> I think this is just insane. If it wasn't real, it would be hilarious. But look at the, how they characterized this, this lady. A desire to stop fossil fuels, which, in her political view, are destroying parts of the U.S., specifically Montana, Idaho, and Washington. I'd be proud if, if somebody wrote that about me. What you, <laughs> how is that the face of a terrorist? I don't, it's insane. Um, it's absolutely insane, and we are being villainized by the companies that are out there. Uh, another great example are the Louisiana Bucket Brigade, and if you're not if you're not familiar with these ladies, they are incredible. The Louisiana Bucket Brigade has been fighting a lot of the petrochemical companies down in Cancer Alley, which is uh, between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. There's over a hundred companies that put so much stuff out that the residents there can get up to 600 times the national average rates of cancers. And the massive polluters are generally one to maybe even 500 feet away from elementary schools and other places. So these are a, a lot of moms and grandmas that have said, you know what, we don't think that your company should get away with all this while we get sick, while we die while we pay the human toll for your profits while you're sitting on your boat we are in the hospitals we can't even afford the proper health care and this is a massive issue um and these they went recently and they took what are called nurdles i'm not sure if you guys are familiar nurdles are when they plastic companies there's a company called formosa and and there's a documentary that ellen page made on the formosa company up in nova scotia in halifax um, there's something in the water, I believe it's called. And it's a wonderful documentary. And now Formosa just got the right to go down to Cancer Alley. And everybody said, no, we already know what happens here. So what they ended up doing was some of the activists took some of these um, nurdles, was what they're called. Nurdles are little teeny beads. And the U.S. is one of the major producer of nurdles. The U.S. and China are the two most advanced uh, countries in the world that can produce nurdles. I believe India also produces them. And... The nurdles are a major problem because we produce all the nurdles and we sell the nurdles cheap. They go out, become plastic products, 
that then can never be recycled or anything. But the nurdles are so cheap because they don't include the cost of aftercare because they're not classified or treated as a toxic substance, even though 100% of fish recently tested had plastics in it and 99% of Americans recently tested had plastics in us. And I can never stop to bring up the fact that the scientists have realized we eat around one credit card of plastic a, a week. It's just insane. So anyway, the um, the Bucket Brigade, they went over and they dropped off these nurdles, these little teeny balls of plastic um, as a protest in front of the fossil fuel lobbyist house, right? And it was a nonviolent protest. And, and normally these types of things are um, protected under the law because we live in a country with the First Amendment and we should be in a very free country. These ladies... Um, they've, they've been debating if they're going to charge them with terrorism or not. Uh, Direct Action Everywhere is a group that takes cameras into places and does what are called open rescue. And they're challenging. It's a federal law that if you remove an animal that was meant for commercial agriculture food, uh, it's a third class felony immediately, as soon as, as soon as you get the animal in your arms. So uh, a lot of direct action everywhere. I'm not 100% sure on all their charges. I don't even know if that's what they're being charged with, but a lot of them are facing federal charges. And Wayne, here's a great story. He's facing federal charges. He's actually out right now campaigning uh, up in San Francisco because he believes that the best idea is to, if you think a law is unjust, take it on the head and fight it and bring light to it. So, you know, we all have our ways that we, we do this, you know. Some of us, like I said, we're on the front lines. Um, some of us are out there boarding boats. Some of us are getting shot in the line of duty. I was shot at shooting some, some videos. You know, I mean, we all do our part. Um, people that share important information, they're actually getting arrested as well. A great case of that comes from Barrett Brown, who was one of the first people that was tried under these these kind of law. Actually, he was never tried under these laws. He was held by the Department of Justice, uh, one, I think for four years, I believe mostly in is uh, isolation, for copying information off, off a public website and then posting it <clears throat> on another website. Not in a, uh, you know, not, he wasn't in trouble for plagiarizing. He gave the credit to, to where it came from. But it was information that made an agriculture, it made uh, industries look bad. And if you look up Barrett Brown, you'll find an incredibly weird case of internet online journalists being thrown into jail to be silenced. <clears throat> so we're kind of seeing it on all ends now. You know, we're seeing the silencing coming from small things like I can't post anything right now on Facebook to major things, um, you know, like them putting laws out, stopping people from protesting. And one of the ways they did it, which is really sneaky, is they said that if you basically go on a land that holds any infrastructure deemed important to the government, you can be tried as a, as a terrorist and with federal law. So, for example, even when you're diving, if you're a scuba diver and you get too close to a dock, that infrastructure, which is held by the government, uh, owned technically owned by the government, you can actually get in a lot of trouble. We, I, we were diving and that was one of the changes we had to make near one of my favorite places down by the pier because we just were not allowed to go there anymore. Um, it became illegal. So infrastructure areas. I almost got arrested once for taking a photo of a police station from a public street, which, you know, there's nothing illegal about that. <laughs> First of all, it's a public building. Second of all, it was from a public street. Um, but it was considered essential infrastructure. So, you know, I had two, two guys with their guns drawn on me wanting to know what my story was. And, uh, you know, it was for me a very surprising uh, moment. So that's what I wanted to bring up is all these different aspects in which we fight back. And it comes back to the solution we were talking about earlier, which is consumerism. It's actually a wonderful solution. Uh, normally, consumerism is the problem, but conscious consumerism is changing the world as we know it every day, and it's perfect for revolution through routine. You know, if you can go to the field and you want to be in the field, go help the animals and, and, and the future generations that way by fighting the pollution in the field. If you cannot leave your house and you're conscious and you want to help, 
fight from your house. If you don't want to do any of those things, just make better choices at the grocery store and you will change the world. The world will change in your wake. You know, it's a lot of power if you think about it. The world can change in your wake and it's a very important thing to know. So that's what I want to talk about were solutions. You know, um, we are being shot. We are being silenced. We are being jailed. We are being held up in court. Uh, a lot of us are. And we are being uh, actually terrorized by the forces that be by trying to come down on us insanely um, aggressively. It's not measured at all. It's just ridiculous to me. You know, there's so many more things people should be worried about than environmentalists <laughs> and hippies, you know. Anyway, um, here's a couple of ways that we can fight back. And there's some really wonderful ways. One thing I always recommend is Bicot. Uh, I'm going to put it up here for you guys. B-Y-C-O-T-T. -T. And it's an app that you can check out. And when you go check that out, you will be able to... Um, to go in and program your own personal ethics. And I have been getting a lot of feedback. People have been asking me if I can do a review of it and sort of an overall instructional video on how to get the app going and, and best to use it. So I'll be working on that this week uh, as well. No worries. Um, but Bicot is a wonderful way because then you can buy things according to your own ethics. And it has everything from products that could harmful, be potentially harmful to bees, which come from pesticides and other issues. Um, you know, and what it does is it allows you to attach just your day-to-day -day grocery list to the world around you and understand that everything you do, it's the ripples in a pond, you know, and if you are lucky enough to be somebody that shops in a store, I know, you know, and I mean, I've spent a lot of time with people that don't go to stores, you know, these people have very hard lives and they live in very remote areas and they don't buy their food there. But those of us that do, have a responsibility to know what we're doing and what we're buying and what products. You know, one thing that always bugs me <clears throat> as a vegan, as soon as people go vegan, they're like, what can I eat? And inevitably people are like, eat Oreos. And I think, no, Oreos are made with palm oil. And, you know, uh, we've shown the videos before. You can find them on YouTube um, of, of the destruction of orangutan environments. Um, by palm oil destruction. There might be a thing called sustainable palm oil, but it's something you have to be really careful of. And it's not worth taking that chance. And please don't buy Oreos. Please, you know, until they stop. <clears throat> until they stop. Um, and if you've never seen the video of the orangutan trying to defend his his tree from, uh, uh, from the bulldozer that's coming in to destroy the land for palm use, then just Google it and... Um, and consider to yourself if you think Oreos are worth it after that. And it is a true problem, and the orangutan population is almost extinct because of stupid things like companies taking shortcuts and using palm oil because it's cheaper for them to take this illegal palm oil than it is for them to have a sustainable product. Same problem we have with cacao. As a matter of fact, when I was with Earthrace, we were in the Amazon, and we went, and we, we went to a cacao farm, and the guy was actually making money on deforestation. And the cacao itself is extremely unethical. It's a monocrop. And the guy was actually clearing lands and up to 20,000 bulldozer loads, I mean, um, up to 20,000 dumpster truck loads are allowed before it is considered deforestation by the Peruvian government. So this guy was about 20,000 dumpster truck loads of wood illegally done, selling it, and it's all going to a lot of other legal products. So even cacao, which we always think of as, you know, this um, exotic thing that brings us closer to nature can be very dangerous on how we buy it, where we buy it and what we do. And just, you know, I just want to go over that because truly, truly, truly everything we do affects the world around us. And, you know, there's so much to worry about that, you know, this is something that we can hold, we can have, and we can, we can change and we can do. We don't, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not powerless. Even though they'll make us think that we're powerless. We're not powerless because we are the majority. And we've met each other now on social media. Look at this family here of people that we have on social media that have all shared a bunch of tips with each other, a bunch of links with each other, amazing conversations, 
you know, so many people devoted to the same idea, and that is a better future. The same concept of seven generations. Make decisions now that will benefit the people that live seven generations from now. Um, continually dumping things into our water supplies is not, I don't think that that could possibly um, work in any, any way that you could, you know, put that idea around. So that's what I wanted to talk about, you know, today, that there's dangers in activism. The dangers are physical and they're also, you know, they're dangerous. I mean, we're wanted by the Department of Justice for speaking up against animal agriculture and speaking up against destruction of the environment. And that is something that we really need to be conscious of. So what do we do, right? We need more solutions. Well, one is boycott. Change the companies, because if you change the companies, you're going to change the policies eventually. Because the, the governments will do what the companies need them to do. Um, you know, I'm not an over idealistic person. You know, we have to we have to realistically look at what's happening here. We have major corporations that work with our governments to ensure that both of them succeed. And in the bottom line, they're trying to make sure that we all stay afloat. And I think that, you know, at the, the unfortunately, the root of capitalism is the destruction of the natural world. But at the same time, the relationship between the destroyers and the protectors needs to be there. Right now, we've lost that. And what we can do is we can use our power to vote in November to make sure that we vote in the proper people that will protect the environment. And there's a couple of different websites you can actually um, check out that can really help with that. Uh, now, one that I like to use is called EWG. Here, let me pop it up here for you guys. Um, EWGs, uh, they're called the Environmental Watch Group. And they are uh, Environmental Working Group. Here we go. So let's bring them in here real fast. And let me show you guys this. It's amazing. They have a actual national tap water database. This is one thing I wanted to show everybody because these are tools for our own education and how to, here we go, change things over. So here is our, our EWG. And what we've got is they actually have a national database of, where did it go, of their water. And it'll show you where chromium-6 was found, EWG's National Tap Water Database. Now, they did, a, they did a big study. And you can go anywhere. I'll go to mine right here. Here we go. Featured water utility. And then they tell you everything around the area. And then you can get down to an, a whole map that has it. So you can find out if what's happening with your water, uh, ewg.org great reference. Now, the next one that I wanted to bring in is the Humane Society Legislative Fund, hslf.org. Now, this one is super cool because these guys track the environmental and the animal rights votes of everybody in Senate. And if you're like me, you probably don't, aren't familiar with people in Senate. I mean, Nobody really knows them. They're, they're not an interesting part of the political theater that goes on. You know, they're just, uh, hey, hey, Vicky, thanks for joining. Um, so anyway, you know, they're not really like nobody really knows much about the Congress people. Each side just demonizes other Congress people. And it's just political theater. It's all it all just distracts us from the problem, which is that they have repealed the Clean Water Act and are currently poisoning children's by pouring millions of gallons of toxins into the water every day and people like the EPA sit by and allow it now. So go to the hslf.org, Humane Society Legislative Fund. Here, I'll type it in here. And you can just check out your favorite politicians. Um, you know, I mean, not everybody votes according to environmental and animal rights things the way that I do, but at least know what you're voting for. Education is the key. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. Just, you know, learn about your people, learn about your your candidates, learn about what's happening, the local area problems that you can fight. Uh, I also wanted to recommend uh, another site that I think is incredible, Fight for Zero, and that you, they're not quite fully on there, but Fight for Zero, uh, which is, they're one of the best. They have, they're actually um, stationed in Florida, but they also work on national campaigns, and there's a lot of information. And as you guys can see right there, there's something that drives me nuts is that 
when people throw away their soda rings like that, right? Why do people still throw them away like that? When you, I see them and I have to pick them up and cut them up and it drives me nuts. You know, and then people walk by, look at me, like I'm the guy that threw the, the plastic down there, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, what we can do, we are in danger. Look, the Department of Justice is after us. There is a war against environmentalists and conservationists and animal rights people. And it's been openly declared. So I just want everybody to know to be careful. Uh, also, if you are an activist, an environmental rights person, you might want to consider using um, what's called a VPN, uh, which is a virtual private network. And you can Google free VPNs and it actually it'll hide your digital signature as you go around. And please be aware that Google incognito window does not do that. We think it does, but it does not. You do not have privacy with the Google incognito window. Uh, I learned that back when I was uh, still working in computers uh, for a little bit. So something to consider. Um, so everybody that's an activist, please be safe out there. Everybody that's not an activist, um, don't worry. We are not dangerous. We just want to preserve what we have left and even try to make it a little better for the next generation and the next generation and the seventh generation up in time. And we can do it only through combining, connecting, cooperating, and being together. You know, and realizing we, we do have one voice. And even if we're not an organized voice, just by revolution through routine, just by watching what toilet paper you buy, what toothpaste you buy, if you buy a plastic toothbrush or not, what razors you use, all of it affects the world around us. Thank you, Sierra. Yes, yeah, Sierra put up the uh, the link for fightforzero.org. It is an amazing resource. I go there a lot. They have a lot of incredible information. They do their own water testing. And if you live in a town where you know that there seems to be a lot of cancer issues and you want to know how to move forward to get your town safer, go to fightforzero.org and contact them. It's the most incredible group of people. They devote themselves to outreach, to talking to everybody, and to spreading what you can do in your home area. And that's the thing is we all have to take care of our backyards together. You know, um, it's really something important. So, oh, hey, Michelle, thanks for being on. Uh, always good to see you on here. And uh, hey, Vicky, yes, uh, you know, and Vicky, that's the thing is... Um, I mean, you know, for me, I'm so restless. Like I'm used to being in the field, you know, like I, I don't, the, the COVID thing has been difficult. I can't travel out of the country, uh, which is very difficult. And I mean, we have enough issues here. I don't really need to go anywhere at the moment anyway, but um, it would be nice to have that, that freedom. And so as a result, um, you know, people have also relaxed all of the inspections. So the USDA canceled the majority of their inspections. So a lot of your food's not getting inspected. Uh, I just want everybody to be conscious of that. Um, they have canceled the inspections of the emissions coming out. They're, they're actually stopped just now regulating um, a chemical that is known to cause brain cancer in children. So, and Camilla says no to fluoride. And Camilla, you know, that, that is a great, great note. Um, fluoride is something that's very, people have always debate fluoride. Uh, now, whether you know much about what's happening with fluoride or not, the one thing I can tell you about fluoride is that it is the runoff from the mining process of phosphate. And what happens is basically they steam this stuff up and what comes down and drips down from the phosphate. Um, think about white phosphate bombs. And I'll give you an idea of the strength of, of this material. What drips down from there, the, the steam is collected and it's put in barrels and it's called hydrofluorosilicic acid. And it is sent like a drop full will fluoridate entire little areas. It is so potent and so dangerous and so bad for us. And literally it's just a toxic chemical that this company can't sell legally. They're not even allowed to dispose of it. It's so toxic that the EPA has made it, they're not allowed to dispose of it. The only thing they can do is basically rebrand it and sell it. And the most cities in America have contracts with phosphate companies to take this runoff, um, this toxic leftover, 
and drop it into the local water source. So, you know, look, everybody always thinks there's an adult in charge. And, you know, I think one thing most of us activists realize there isn't. And we are the adults in charge. <laughs> you know, we are, we are the ones that can stop things and change things. And we're the only ones that are out there. And, and you know, people like Miss Yost are some of the most inspirational people. Um, people like the Louisiana Environmental Action Network and the Bucket Brigade, uh, Nosaic down in Florida, the South Water Clean, the South Florida Clean Water Movement. All of these groups fight for zero. All of these groups are... Um, are really making a huge difference. And we live in a golden time where we have groups we can go to. You know, that's why they made Earth Day. Nobody knew any other environmentalists back in the 70s. People like, oh, you like the Earth too? You know, but now, you know, it's different. We have groups, we have action groups. And EWG, by the way, they do a lot of great petitions and uh, fantastic. They'll keep you up. Corley says, um, I've always taught my grandbabies to pick up trash when we found it these days. We glove up first. And Coralie, that's great that you teach that to them. I think it's super important. Um, you know, my mom was always very about, you know, keeping everything clean, keeping everything better than we found it, you know, never throw our trash anywhere, pick trash up. And even when I go surf, you know, I always make sure to grab trash uh, as I'm leaving the ocean. Uh, usually it takes me another 15, 20 minutes because then, you, you know, you see one piece of trash. Next thing you see another piece of trash, you're in your wetsuit, so you just have to walk over to the thing and bring it. And meanwhile, they've got this comb that goes through the sand that's doing nothing but burying the trash. Um, so unfortunately, the plastics are there. And I'm sure you guys are familiar, but plastic bags, for example, look like jellyfish. So a lot of turtles will choke and die on them. Um, a lot of birds will choke and die on them for the same reason. Uh, and the same reason, friends, please never ever spit your gum out or put your gum anywhere in public because uh, birds will see it, they will choke and die, or possibly if you spit it out the window while you're driving, they're gonna land in uh, traffic and die. So it's just another one of our things that, um, I mean, not that I'm imagining a lot of you guys spit your gum anywhere, but some people do not dispose their gum properly and it's actually a massive environmental issue. Uh, Quirley says, can you update us on your condition? Yes, um, so, Good news, it's all good news and bad news as, as cancer tends to go. The good news is uh, the medicine that I've been taking has been shrinking my tumor. Uh, but the bad news is the side effects are getting worse and worse and more and more difficult every day uh, to kind of go through. So, you know, the one thing that keeps me going, the one thing that keeps me from, you know, just being tired and, and letting all these side effects take control of me is is this mission that I have. And this mission is to talk to everybody, to try to change things, to, to find a way, if there's a way that we can just prevent one person from going through what I've been through in my lifetime with cancer, then that's fine. You know, um, at this point, the only thing that matters to me is that we can make fundamental changes that will protect future generations. And I don't think that that's a crazy thing to ask for. We stopped DDT, we stopped lead. We can stop a lot of this other madness that's going on. But the problem is, is they keep it quiet. And unless we shed a light on the madness, nobody's gonna talk about it. And this is the big problem is we get a lot of diversionary stuff also. We have to stay on focus, which is companies pour toxic pollutants into our water supplies every day and give kids cancer. And they are poisoning us. And there are a hundred stories around the country that you can see. Um, Camilla says, you do so well managing it all. Thank you. You know, it doesn't feel like that <laughs> on this side. Uh, but, you know, um, it doesn't matter. Look, the next film that I'm going to start working on is Cancer Alley. And I can't really talk about the, the first film. It will be coming out this fall. I can't speak about it yet. But I'm going to get ready to start shooting. And it's been difficult because I've been trying now to train and to get ready for it. And physically, it's very exhausting. I have a lot of muscle spasms that I go through every day. Um, I have a lot of issues. Uh, there's like a chemo fog that you kind of get in your brain when you're on these medicines. And, um, you know, in, in vainly, I'm just not happy with, <laughs> with my eyebrows. But, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go paddleboard. 
the 85-mile stretch of Cancer Alley from Baton Rouge to New Orleans and raise money for the kids that are suffering doing it. And we're going to explore what's happening down there and we're going to bring it out to an international audience because it's inconceivable that we can allow this to continue to happen if we know about it. So I think the best thing we can do is, is to know about it. Uh, thanks, Corley. Yes, I uh, appreciate that. Um, uh, that's good to know. Some days I know I look pale and some days a little bit better. But, you know, it's, a, it's about diet. <clears throat> you know, um, I mean, I try to eat healthy. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, pacing, diet, and just when, when you're determined, nothing can slow you down, right? So, I mean, I, I think I probably share that quality with every single person that's here right now. Actually, as a matter of fact, I know it. I see who's on and I see who's watching and I see whose names are popping up. And we all have the same quality. You know, we've talked about it before, um, taking the problems and turning them into a sharpening stone that allows you to move forward in a way that benefits not just yourself, but everybody. You know, um, because once you get cancer, and I mean, a lot of people have this too that don't have cancer, but once you get it, you understand that, you know, we don't really have a voice. I mean, look, you know, people know that people with cancer, they're often very sick. We don't have a voice at the table. There are no, there's no assistance for us. You know, I have a weird cancer because I just have to live with my cancer. My cancer is manageable, but not manageable. And, um, you know, without getting into to too much technical issues, um, the United States insurance system is so crazy that I will probably lose my medications by the end of the year. So I'm just, that's it. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm enjoying it and my tumor has shrunk. Uh, approximately a half centimeter every four months. And, um, but there's still years. I mean, if I were to continue on it, it would be a few years. So I want to, but at the moment, uh, it's not a practicality for one, for, because of where we are and what's happening. And, you know, for two, there's a big fight ahead. And that fight is to stop this pollution and to bring attention to these pollutants and to bring the conversation back to these pollutions. And, um, you know, I don't know if I can do that on my medicine either. So there's a few things that are, that are running that way. So I appreciate everybody, you know, always being so supportive uh, for me as I've been going through this. It's been a really tough experience. Um, and it means a lot that everybody's here because this is what I look forward to. This is my goal. It's my mission. And... Uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is that, like I said, you know, people are getting sick and we can stop this. So I'm now just working on getting myself physically ready for the next project. I, I think my biggest concern is paddleboarding out in the dangers and having the uh, the muscle spasms where my hands cramp up and I can't hold the oar anymore because um, there's a lot of traffic out there. So I'm trying to find ways around that um, because we all know, you know, the problems are just a small, you know, a small speed bump <laughs> and that's it. So, um, but again, I want to thank everybody for, for being so kind and, and worrying about that. I, you know, um, and thank you, Sierra. And there's so much more to do. And that's the thing. There's so much more to do. And we need to talk about these hybrid cancers and we need to talk about solutions to the cancers. And it just seems obvious to me that if we can turn off one valve that will stop tons of cancers that it's just it's it is that easy it just is that easy and we don't even need to really fight that hard for it because the epa already knows the companies already know how they're poisoning us the the bad part is they just are okay with it and i think we're reaching a point where we're saying no more you know no more too many people are sick for no reason and you know i apologize i i tend to stay you know, passionate, but maybe a little bit more. Um, I, don't, I don't talk about that aspect of it too much, but it is time that we deserve a seat at the table. You know, my cancer will never go away. Uh, it, it won't rapidly kill me. My cancer grows slowly, and, and the danger is that it'll encase my organs and um, kill me that way. Um, <clears throat> so that, you know, it's something that, yeah, you got to be worried about. But but at the same time, there's there's no place for me within our society having long-term cancer and care. Um, 
and the only thing we can do is stop poisoning us. Um, buddy systems, yes. And you know, Corley, I will we'll have a buddy always. Uh, I'm going to be going to some remote places in the next few months. Guys, I, and, and also everybody, my friends, I know, I'm sorry, I have uh, kind of gone off track here. But I guess one of the dangers of activism is that my normal life is gone. <laughs> so uh, I am in the process of getting back to what I've decided is um, to get everything back in a bag and to start getting back out to the remote areas and shining lights on the dangers and the problems and the cancer-causing issues that we face worldwide. And those are always tied to animal rights issues and those are always tied to human rights issues because all of them are combined, you know? Exploitation generally has the same victims, which tend to be the people that can't fight back and the animals that can't fight back. And we're gonna go in and we're gonna do this, you know? And uh, Coralie, yes, we're gonna, and I will. I'll always have somebody, I have somebody already coming in. Um, uh, very talented, Cat Chase will be working with me on Cancer Alley. And uh, so I'm gonna have somebody that knows the water and is also an amazing activist and also a great, great um, shooter with cameras. We're not gun people, we're just camera people. <laughs> uh, yet we are, considered more dangerous than those with guns in this country, which again is something that just, you know, you just can't make this stuff up and um, it's just mind boggling sometimes. But, you know, the only thing we can do is move forward, right? We know that we're out there, we know we're together and we just move forward together. We can do this. So um, I'm going to be putting out some information on Cancer Alley soon. I've got a couple exciting meetings coming up this week. And after that, I'm going to be going back to um, doing some fundraising for it. And I know everybody's going through COVID, so I'm not expecting, you know, um, at all for anybody to, to strain themselves over that. But there's other ways that we, you can help me raise money. And, and part of it is to raise money for the movie. But part of it is to just raise money for the charities down there. And 100% of the money that we get from the paddleboarding experience, it's going to be like a walkathon. I'm going to ask everybody to pledge. You know, um, quarter mile, you can do it in quarter mile increments of my 85 mile trek down the river. And whatever we raise from that goes 100% to children's cancer charities. Because I will tell you that living with cancer is the most expensive problem. And, I, you know, I know there's other, there's other conditions that are chronic illnesses. But when you have cancer, they don't consider it in the same and we don't get the same treatment and um, certainly keeping our medications on and paying for our medications and just even having a day-to-day -day life is is something that's um, very much an uphill struggle sometimes and I'm used to it I've been going through this struggle since 2005 uh, you know I've been fighting cancer now yeah 15 years and I don't I, I don't I wouldn't know what it's like to not have it you know like I can't remember those days but it kills me that children have to have this medicine that I'm on and worse medicines than I'm on you know they shouldn't have to be facing their own mortality um, they're getting robbed in, in so many ways so it's just a personal mission and um, you know I, I just want to thank everybody for always being here always talking about everything uh, we're about to ramp it up this year, and we are going to try to raise money for these causes, even in the midst of all this COVID, especially while they, these companies are having problems and these kids are getting sick and, and there's just no help for them. So I'm excited to ha have a project that can be a hybrid of a documentary and also a good works project. And I think that's what we need in the future, too. We need more people focused on ways to combine information and um, and help, all in one. So anyway, uh, thank you, Camilla. You know, I <clears throat> I'm really excited. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of support for this, and I think that a lot of people will jump in. And you know what? That's what it always takes. It always takes the work of all of us. We are a collective. We're a group. Um, together, we have a voice that shines above the white noise of all of the PR and confusion the politicians and companies place in order to confuse us. Pardon me. This is one of my side effects. Um, so, you know, I, I just, and I want to thank all of you because all of you are people that live 
your activism. All of you are people that wake up every day and are conscious of what's happening. And you are the people changing the world. So it's exciting to have you on the show every week with me. And thank you for being here. If you've been here for a year, thank you so much for wanting to talk about all these topics um, and listening to sometimes when I ramble and forget what I'm talking about. For people that are just joining us, thank you for joining. Uh, it's awesome. I've got new um, conserva- uh, conversationalists. I think that's what we should call ourselves. So we have new conversationalists that joined us recently from Canada um, that have been actually sharing a bunch of incredible links with me uh, about some of the programs that are up in Canada versus the U.S. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, and this is what we need is I always wondered how social media could help conservation. And this is the exact answer here. We just need to all get together and talk. So thanks for joining again. Um, I know that we, we wandered a bit in and out of all that, um, but you know, the dangers of activism. And if, you know, if, again, remember, if you don't want to take those dangers, there's no problem. What you buy can change the entire world around you. We're all activists and we're all powerful. Whether you just change your toilet paper purchase or you're out there exposing uh, animal cruelty or you're even cutting fish, illegal fisher nets, whatever you're doing, the world thanks you, the world needs you. You know, and so do I. And I think everybody here does as well. (laughs) All right, everybody, have a wonderful weekend. And I cannot wait. Um, So now we begin the second year of the conversation. And I will see everybody next week. All right, have a wonderful Saturday. Thanks for being here. And remember that anytime you can engage in a conversation with somebody, even if they have the exact opposite views, it's the best moment to find some common ground with somebody and open up a door, open up that conversation. It's